I love about working with veteran artists is their passion of wanting to get it done. Like, if there's any common thread through military veterans in the arts, it's like, let's do it. Like, what are we doing right now? Let's, let's get the team together. Let's get a space. Let's make something happen. Let's convince somebody to host us. Let's find some money. Let's go. And there's a, there's a real sense of, I'm late to the game and I have something to say. That was B.R. McDonald, founder and CEO of the Veteran Artist Program. And this is Artworks, the weekly podcast produced at the National Endowment for the Arts. I'm Josephine Reed. Those few times we think about veterans in the arts, we tend to think of the healing arts, which can play a positive role in the treatment of service members suffering from traumatic brain injury, PTSD, and other psychological trauma. In the past half dozen years, healing arts programs, which consists of the visual arts, music, and writing, have figured more prominently in the treatment and rehabilitation of service members and for veterans struggling with wartime memories and the transition to a civilian life. But what about veterans who are interested in the arts as a career or who put a career in the arts on hold when they enlisted? When they return to civilian life after an extended absence, where do they find the resources to navigate the world of the arts or to hone their craft or to find peers who can help them grow their work? Well, one place they can turn is the Veteran Artist Program, or VAP. Founded nine years ago by Brian, or B.R. McDonald, himself a classically trained singer and a veteran, VAP is a not-for-profit whose goal is to encourage, support, and promote veterans in the arts. B.R. is clear. He sees VAP's main job as developing opportunities for veterans to create a career in the arts. When I started VAP in 2009, I wanted to make sure that we were creating opportunities for veterans and not just talking about it. So we really have a production model. So we've done close to 70 productions now across the country in theater, in film, in visual arts, gallery exhibits, uh, music, performing arts, and worked with a lot of different partners, both in the creative arts community, but also uh, the private sector, governmental agencies, not other nonprofits, businesses, and all sorts of things. Tell me your story, because I think, in a way, your story opens into the larger story of VAP. You began your career as an artist, correct? I did, yeah. I was a performing artist my whole life, uh, ever since I was about five years old, as soon as I could stand up on two feet, and I was opening my mouth to sing. I was a pastor's kid, so my music really kind of started in the church. My parents took my brother, sister, and I. I was the oldest to Taiwan. I was a missionary kid for eight years. So music was just a part of everything that I did. So I was singing a lot. I was playing musical instruments. I was in musical theater. I was acting. I was performing and ended up at the University of North Carolina. uh, And I got a vocal performance degree graduating in 2001. So I was really on the track to becoming a professional performing artist. That, That was not only my personal expectation, but that was what everybody thought I was going to do. What happened? Why did you enlist? I was interning with my dad at his church in uh, the Northern Virginia, D.C. area, and 9-11 happened. And when 9-11 happened, it was just this shift. I mean, it was for a lot of people, especially in the D.C. area. And I decided to enlist. I wanted to be a linguist. I had languages. I spoke. I do speak Mandarin Chinese, having grown up in Taiwan. 
Next thing you know, I'm off to basic. I'm in the military. I'm in the Army. And they tell me that they want me to learn Arabic. How long were you in the Army? I spent the next almost eight years in the Army. I was in the Special Operations Community. I was an operator in JSOC, which is the Joint Special Operations Command. I deployed ultimately seven times to Afghanistan, Iraq, Pakistan, not doing really anything in the arts. Uh, of, of course, I was being creative, but I wasn't pursuing it at all. What happened when you returned to civilian life and, and tried to restart your career? So I got out in uh, early 2009, and I sort of hit this landscape of what do I do with these two sort of very separate, disparate worlds. And it's hard to imagine now because there's so many veteran service organizations in 2016, and there's many, many in the arts, which is just amazing to me. But in 2009, I don't even know if there were any. If if there were some veteran artists, as we refer to them, that were self-identifying as both veterans and artists and starting to, you know, get out there and be on stage and talk about these two worlds. But there was no real organization. So I was in Baltimore and I just decided I was uniquely qualified to speak to both worlds. I had been a performer my whole life. I had been educated in the arts, but I also had been in the military at the highest level and in these special operations units. So I decided to fill the gap. Well, how did you begin VAP? What were what were the first steps? It was me finding a few friends who were like-minded, who wanted to perform in Baltimore City, and we did a showcase, and we called it the Home Show. And it was just, uh, you know, a few friends getting together to convince a local creative alliance that we had what it took to be on stage with other artists in the community. And that was uh, seven years ago. So we've come a long way, and now we're on a national stage. We do tend to think of the Army and the arts as being antithetical, but you've you've written pretty persuasively that, that they're really not. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think the first thing is most people think about the military in terms of operations and combat theaters and, and missions and all of that. And at the end of the day, you know, the military is made up of people. It's a, it's a cross-section of our society. So naturally, if you accept that, then you, you would be willing to accept it. There are many different peoples from many different walks of life that go into the military, especially after 9-11, where many people were convinced that this is something they needed to do. What I tell a lot of people is the arts made me a better soldier. And the reason I believe that is because of ultimately where I landed. I mean, just because I wasn't singing, you know, in the army, I was being creative. And the arts, the process of the arts, the the nature of being creative, out of the box, thinking through solutions in a unique way, helped me get to a point where I was able to thrive at an elite level in the Army and ultimately land in a unit where most of my missions were solo missions, where I was doing things by myself in the middle of the tribal area in Pakistan or Afghanistan. And while it doesn't sound like the arts, it's certainly a mindset. And uh, just sort of anecdotally, in the military, we have a saying called, you know, hurry up and wait. <laughs> which is the the idea that we all like prepare, prepare, prepare for just kind of waiting around to see what happens. You know, like we have to be prepared for it happening very quickly. But most of the time we're, we're preparing and just sitting and then needing to react very quickly after a period of time of inaction. And that's certainly a combat reality. And it's also an arts thing. I mean, how many times have we sat in rehearsals for hours waiting for something to happen just to play a note? <laughs> You know, I was a trombone player all throughout middle school and high school. And, like, that was my world when I was uh, playing in symphonies. 
So there are unlikely and complicated ways that training for the arts and training for the military intersect. How else do you see the arts and the military working together? Yeah, I, th- I think when I talk about the arts and the military, I kind of talk about it in three different categories. You have the comfort side. These are potentially traumatic experiences in combat that, you know, when you come home, you want to talk about it. And it, and it can be therapeutic for many who use the arts in that capacity. But it's also a career, just like I did. I was on the track to become a professional musician. I was going to be on Broadway. Most of my friends now are on Broadway. So it's a career option, and it should be an option for veterans who are coming back and transitioning and want to take that step back into a career of their choice. And certainly the art should be an option. And the last is culture. One thing I push constantly is we have a unique opportunity right now to have veterans in the arts talking about what's happening in real time, meaning let's not wait 20 years before we talk about the impact and the effects and the policies and the, the individual stories that are coming out of these conflicts. So it's not, it's not just about comfort, though it is. It's not just about career, though that's important. It's also just about American culture. And if we believe that the arts are a unique way to tell stories, then veterans in the arts are the best way to tell those stories. So I, I feel like if people can accept those three things of comfort, career, and culture, then you have to believe that, that military and the arts are really more connected than anybody can really think about or imagine. Somebody like you, other people who I'm sure had gone to school for various careers in the arts and because of 9-11, because they needed more education or better insurance. I mean, there's so many reasons from patriotic to practical, and the two are not mutually exclusive, that people enlist. Absolutely. And then when you get out, picking up a career is always difficult. A career in the arts, even if you haven't left it for eight years, is difficult just on the face of it. But then after being absent from it for that long, I would imagine it's very challenging. It really is. And I mean, what we found is, you know, there's the education piece. You know, I happen to go to school for music, so I kind of have that foundation. But I took a step away and I was in the Army for eight years. I don't have the network. And in any industry, you need that. But certainly the arts, you know, knowing who's at the lead in different organizations and who are the decision makers and who are the funders and, you know, who do you need to talk to in order to get access to different opportunities. And, you know, the film industry is a good example. There's a very specific process for getting your script reviewed and then going into, you know, documentary film festivals and then getting those funded and getting producers. And those are things that if you've not been in it and you're 30 years old, you don't even know where to start. So that's really where the Veteran Artist Program comes in. Our model is production, meaning that we're building productions and partnering veterans with non-veterans in the creative space. The real magic is in that mentorship and that networking that happens, that process of connecting veterans to opportunities I mean, it's really interesting. The intangible piece that comes out of that is what the non-veteran civilian artists gain from that experience. Right now, we're in this time where there's so much attention on veterans, and rightfully so. You know, we're all trying to understand the transition stories and what the gaps are and the problems are. But civilians on the other side of the equation, that 99% are also trying to understand. And the artists themselves are looking to portray these individuals and these stories in a way that's real. What we're doing is just trying to put them together 
for the sake of the production, but also for the sake of that process of meeting each other and telling these stories in a unique way. Okay, let's say I'm a veteran and I'm interested in film and I come to VAP. What can I expect to happen? And let's say I did two years in college, so I have some experience with film. I'll give you an example. Right now we have a partnership with the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, PBS, and a couple different producing partners, and we're producing this series called Veterans Coming Home. And there's five media makers in the field right now. Three of them are veterans. Two of them are civilians. It's being produced by a company in Chicago called Kindling Group. The Veteran Artist Program is is involved allowing veterans who are filmmakers, producers, researchers, editors, storytellers to be a part of the production, the distribution, the discussion. And, And we're also brought in funding from some of our partners at Got Your Six, which is a national veteran service organization as well. So that's an example of something that we do. We also have a, a community that you can find, veteranartistprogram.org slash community, which right now is about 1,000 people who are moving and shaking and making things happen and producing. And, and this also involves other organizations, actually, who are more local in nature or community-focused who have opportunities for you. Um, so VAP really is serving as sort of the catalyst for connecting veteran artists who are all over the country and in some cases the world to each other, but then also to resources. Give me an example of one of your productions. Yeah, a colleague of mine who's now been with VAP, he's a board member for, for about three years. His name is Whitney Dow. He's a award-winning documentary filmmaker. He's a Tribeca artist. And so he reached out to the Tribeca Film Institute and they funded a pitch fest is what we called it. And, and veterans who had film ideas and we're writing scripts and those types of things came together. We selected a number of applicants, and they sat in front of a team of professional filmmakers that included award winners and organizational leads and, and things like that, media company leads and principals. And they selected a winner. They got an, a, an award and an opportunity to work with some of these filmmakers. So that's an example of something that we do on a regular basis. We also host showcases every year in New York City. We do something called The Home Show. Uh, You remember I mentioned at the beginning, the very first show we did in Baltimore City was called The Home Show. Yeah. So I decided to bring that back because I thought it was a really unique way to talk about veterans' issues is through the notion of home. You know, we, the media and sort of American society tends to think about that as back home in America. But the reality is, is that since 9-11, you know, you've had less than 1% of the U.S. population fighting in Afghanistan or Iraq or in the combat zones. So the, the notion of home for somebody who has deployed, in my case, seven times is very different than the traditional idea of oh, come back to your house in a community, in a suburb of a city in America. Like these, It's a very existential, philosophical place to be. So what it was practically in the production in New York was a partnership with the Lincoln Center for the Performing Arts. And we did on November 12th last year, it was a Veterans Day event and showcase, 30 artists, partnerships between veterans and civilians, showcasing original work on stage at the Lincoln Center under the theme of the home show. Was this a show open to the public or was it exclusively for veterans and their families? It was a public event that was in in the atrium, uh, the Lincoln Center. Something that's really important to me is this isn't something that we want as veterans to be doing in a vacuum. To be frank with you, it's it's a problem. A lot of the veteran culture lends itself to sort of sitting in a room with each other, talking about having been there, done that, exchanging war stories, and not really 
wanting to bring in outsiders because of the feeling that they won't understand or you're going to have to answer questions that you just don't want to talk about. You know, it, it presents itself to be this very insular kind of patting each other on the back and talking about how great our pieces of art are or our works are. And the reality is that that's just not conducive to a career in the arts. For one, you need influences and mentorship and people engaging with you on what you're doing and helping you grow and learn. Every artist at every stage of life needs that, but especially if you're transitioning into the, the arts from something very different. So we really encourage, and it's starting to be embraced, is this idea that we're opening up. This is not just about veterans performing for veterans. It's about the audience learning and, and being involved in the process. So we're doing more of those, and, and everything that I do that VAP does involves both a veteran and a civilian component. It's very important to me. I wonder also, and I'd love to have you speak to this, how the experience of the military what that brings to the process of making art. And I wonder how that has worked with you, how, how the experience of military service influenced your art, what it allowed you to bring to your art. Yeah, um, I, th I think for me, it was a sense of abandon. I remember when I, even in college, having anxiety sometimes around performing. And when you're learning, when you're, you're just going really fast and you're performing every day and all this... Sometimes you get anxious about what you're doing and, and don't really feel grounded on stage. And I remember once I decided to step back in it, there's a sense of, you know, I've been there, done that. Like, you know, what, what do I have to be afraid of? To learn my craft, to, to uh, rehearse, to step up on stage and have hundreds of eyeballs looking at me. And what do I have to lose but to get up here and tell my story? And I think for me personally, that's what it was. It was a sense of abandon and also a sense of urgency. Hmm. I think that... I love, I love, love, I mean, there's, there's downside to having a sense of urgency as well, but what I love about working with veteran artists is their passion of wanting to get it done. Like, if there's any common thread through military veterans in the arts, it's like, let's do it. Like, what are we doing right now? Let's, let's get the team together. Let's get a space. Let's make something happen. Let's convince somebody to host us. Let's find some money. Let's go. And there's a, there's a real sense of, I'm late to the game and I have something to say and I, I'm not going to let somebody hold me back. And I, I think anytime you have that, if you look across the board in the arts, really powerful things can come out of that in a community. The downside of that is, is making sure that you have the right network, right? The right education and not overshooting opportunities when you need to just kind of sit back and let people train you and educate you and, and figure out the best way to navigate the funding cycle, as an example, or something like that. So that's where VAP comes in, is to say, okay, you know, we're all motivated, we're all excited, but let's sit back and bring in some professional artists who can help you build this project, or he'll help you find some funding and mentor you through the, the specifics and details. Yeah, I mean, a sense of urgency, that abandon, but also just having a voice. You know, I, I, there's one thing for sure with veterans who have been in something outside of the arts and are now in the arts, and at least in the capacity of finding a way to tell their story, they have a really amazing story to tell. And um, that's a very, very valuable thing for an artist. I would also think, as I was thinking about this myself, that the connection between the camaraderie of the service and in the performing arts, the camaraderie that has to happen. Even if you're a soloist at the Metropolitan Opera, you're not up there alone. 
Right. <laughs> no, you're not. And I mean, we use this analogy a lot in the film world, but it could be applied to any of the disciplines. In film, you have a lot of different jobs and, and responsibilities, and there's only one or a few people ever like in front of the camera, right? <laughs> there's tons, if not hundreds of people behind the camera, and all those jobs are as important as the, the actor who's saying the words, you know, the person who's setting up the lights and, you know, rolling sound and pushing record on the camera and all the producers and everything else that's happening. All that needs to happen. It's not only important, but it has to happen in a very specific time and process that allows everybody to be successful. That's exactly what a military operation is, right? Like if, if one person doesn't do the job that they're empowered to do and told to do, then everything can fall apart. So military veter veterans really get that. So yeah, so two things. One is this, the, the actual practical skill comparison is absolutely there. But the camaraderie and trust you, you have between military veterans is an instant value proposition for the creative arts space. And it seems from, from what I've read about VAP that you're also determined that veterans need to be able to express what they want to express. If they think that the war is their subject, then by all means, that should be their subject. But if they don't, then being a veteran artist doesn't mean that's, that's your subject. That's what you need to be writing about, talking about, painting, etc. Yeah, that's right. I, I think that it's, it's definitely my soapbox. And it's funny because I've been constantly talking about this for seven years now. The arts aren't just about healing. Of course, they're therapeutic, right? I mean, it's one of the things I already said in this interview. It, any artist will admit that being part of the arts, being doing something you love is therapeutic in every way. But for veterans to be pigeonholed into a segment of the creative arts community, suggesting that they only belong in this therapeutic pillar is very limiting. And it's, it's not only limiting for the veterans, but it's limiting to the discussion around these issues because it puts this person who has a voice pigeonholed in a niche where they can't have a voice in something else. I didn't start the Veteran Artist Program to just succumb to the, the assumption of a society that says veterans should be in this niche. I wanted to push the envelope and, based on my experience, drive the idea that veterans have a voice in all things. I mean, we're in a presidential election cycle, right? Like, why not have a veteran artist who's uniquely qualified in a certain skill set in the arts as a filmmaker or a painter or a writer create something that speaks to what's going on now in this presidential election or in immigration or in homelessness or in education or, of course, the wars, but that doesn't mean that that's the only thing they can talk about. So to your point, we're very inclusive when it comes to that. The truth is what I've seen as far as veteran artists in the continuum you know, we kind of use that sometimes on the spectrum of veterans who come through the veteran artist program is that most artists start with what they know, you know, and what these veterans know is war and they know the military and they know their experience, which they're very proud of. So many start there, but most of the time they graduate to other things. And what I want to make sure that we're doing at VAP is not limiting them, is, is creating opportunities where their voice can be heard as an artist who happens to be a veteran. I think we've been successful with that. You know, certainly other uh, nonprofit organizations and arts organizations are coming around to that. But what's been really encouraging for me is that we have partnerships with private businesses. We, we have an ongoing partnership with Starbucks where they have our filmmakers. They reach out to us to produce content for them. 
We just uh, produced three videos that were produced by veterans, edited by veterans, researched by veterans for Starbucks to communicate their corporate brand and to be unique and with, with integrity telling these stories. So that's exciting to me that when private businesses and chief marketing officers and other folks who have the money who want to put that money where their mouth is and pay veteran artists to do the work. So that's really what what we're trying to do is to raise the ceiling on these ideas. What about your singing career? Are you still singing? (laughs) Oh, man, I am actually. I just recently sang in, in Baltimore City at a big gala. Actually, it was in front of a man. It was like 3000 people or something. It was the first time I had sung in front of that many people in a while. Uh, I sang with a dear friend of mine, Kara Lindsay, who it was a Glinda and Wicked. So we sang a, a duet, and I sang a solo, and it was for the Baltimore City Shock Trauma a Gala. So I'm, I'm doing more of those types of things. I don't have a lot of time to do lengthy musical theater productions, but I do love to get out and, and do some solo stage-type work. And where do you see VAP in the next five years? Yeah, that's a great question. So really... Where I'm taking VAP and where the board is taking VAP and like what we're trying to design is I wake up every morning wanting to raise the ceiling of opportunity for veterans in the arts. I didn't start VAP seven years ago to make a living doing it. I started it because I saw a gap and I wanted to fill that gap with a solution and that was VAP. So as we've gone on seven years, we've made several different transitions. And the next one for me is really doing something on a national stage that not only includes veteran artists as individuals, but veteran uh, service organizations and arts organizations that are doing local, community, state-based work who want to engage with veterans. So the way that that's going to hopefully manifest itself is through sort of regional-based productions where you have networking, you have panels, you have a community where VAP serves as the catalyst for connecting artists and organizations and private businesses and funders so they can come together, find each other, perform, and then network, and then create something amazing. So that's where we're taking VAP on the programmatic side. And then we're also increasingly building our media production side. So the, the partnerships like we have with, with Starbucks, as an example, where we, we help them tell their stories. At the end of the day, what I'm interested in is what I consider myself as a storyteller. So if, if I can help a business like Starbucks or Nike or the NEA or a myriad of different organizations tell their stories, whether it's about veterans or not, but engage veterans in the process, then it's a win for everybody. Thank you so much, Bjork, for the work you're doing, which I think is really kind of fabulous, and also for giving me your time. Of course. Yeah, no, this is exciting. You know, I, I love to talk about VAP, and, and I appreciate the opportunity. That was B.R. McDonald, founder and CEO of the Veteran Artist Program. You can find out more about VAP at veteranartistprogram.org. And today, May 26th, is the seventh annual launch of Blue Star Museums, which offers free admission to military families at 2,000-plus museums nationwide from Memorial Day through Labor Day 2016. The complete list of participating museums is available at arts.gov slash bluestarmuseums. You've been listening to Artworks, produced at the National Endowment for the Arts. To find out how art works in communities across the country, keep checking the Artworks blog or follow us at NEA Arts on Twitter. 
For the National Endowment for the Arts, I'm Josephine Reed. Thanks for listening.